everyone, welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. How's it going? It's going, it's going. It's been a rough week for the Horde, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's, it was one of those things this week where I, I had such a busy week, I barely, I like scratched the surface on a bunch of stuff this week. And I saw that trailer and I was like, oh man people are not gonna be happy about this <laughs> and boy was i wrong man people were just over the moon they were so excited to see this and uh yeah, yeah. Did, <laughs> like i think it even toppled jaina as like the best perfect uh animated short that wow has ever put out so I mean, yeah that's a show. Uh, you and i live on a, a vastly different internet i live in what's called <laughs> under a rock so uh. um it's pretty fantastic these these days there's not a lot of bad news that makes it under the rock, Jocelyn. <laughs> oh, I love I love your bubble, Ryan. I'm going to come live in your bubble, okay? <laughs> cool, yeah, there's, there's enough room. It's like, you know how in Sp SpongeBob SquarePants where Patrick lives under a rock, and then once yep. the rock flips open, it's just this spacious, like, one-bedroom apartment, but it's, like, spacious enough that people could come and stay over? That's kind of what my uh, my under the rock is like. It's just, there's, yeah. there's like, a basement, <laughs> so it's really nice. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't really play too much this week other than um, I've been playing a whole bunch of Hearthstone because we have the Hearthstone release coming up on Tuesday. And then uh, obviously I played a little bit of Warcraft, but I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't get to, I didn't get a chance to play too much new stuff this week. So uh, Ryan, you actually got a chance to give Assassin's Creed Origins a try. And I'm interested to know what you thought of it because I was really not a fan. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting that I swear I'm not doing this on purpose where I'm revisiting games that you've tried at launch like a like a good video game journalist and uh, and then my, me playing them eight months later once they've they've gone on sale for like less than half the cost. So I, I was able to pick this up for like twenty seven dollars. Uh, I was intrigued by Odyssey in, in in both its setting and the fact that people were kind of really really happy about it about what they saw at e3 i i didn't really look into odyssey at all i didn't i haven't had time to really like dive in but i know origins was equally praised by by folks who who just really dug it and i think the only you know or one of the few um sort of uh not so happy voices were, were yourself so when when we talked <laughs> about it on the show i was like oh okay well maybe i'll i had that weird phenomenon where i refuse to buy a game at launch and and just said i'll get back i'll get to it when i get to it so yeah that you yeah. don't do that very often <laughs> you're no. usually like buying up everything and then not having any time to play anything <laughs> i've been getting better at it because i'm not i'm not perfect at it i still i still have a unassembled labo kit behind me uh stuff just keeps piling on but i wonder why it's almost like i'm subconsciously trying to forget that i bought it and, and being reminded I have $70 worth of cardboard sitting behind me unassembled. So, I mean, that doesn't make me unhappy at all. Uh, but with Assassin's Creed Origins, I was like, you know, I think it's time. I bought it on Xbox One. I popped it in. I, I played it for yeah, a good a good couple hours. Got got the 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 feel of the, the new systems. And I got to say that as someone who's played a little bit to all of previous entries in the assassin's creed franchise I, i've played them all you know i've beaten you know a good majority of them this one seems to be really different like 
you don't get you don't have the assassin's blades right away it is the origins i have heard that they unceremoniously just give them to you at some point um, but I don't have them yet. You, you're roaming around with, with swords and spears and axes and stuff, and there's like a combat system, um, unlike the previous games where when you're when you're slashing people, you're 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 seeing numbers pop out of them, which was a little jarring at first. You know, it's like a it was like kind of like an action RPG more than just an action adventure game. Um, how far did you to remind everybody? How far did you get in the game? Like, do you remember sort of a, a key moment that you got to? Uh, I didn't get very far and the quest that I was on was like super buggy and it was um, the first like town that you get to and I feel like I had gone to like overthrow somebody but it was a long time ago when I played it so I don't remember exactly like it very much was like first like hour and a half maybe two hours like I it really didn't strike a chord with me like I was expecting and very excited for like Egypt and mm. and my expectations going into it were really really high so then when it felt buggy and clunky to me and maybe they fixed it since cuz I bought it like literally on launch so it was just kind of a mess of a game to me and uh, I never I never went back to it. Yeah, I haven't encountered any bugs. I'm I think I've gotten to the point where I'm I'm starting to I I I have the ultimate mission is to take somebody out but that's like the the story quest but there's like levels now so you have to level up your character and there's xp and there's gear and there's a loot system and that's all new like that was not in any of the other games and i'm it's actually kind of intriguing in in the sense that you're you're earning loot by by taking foes out it actually makes more of the side quests a little more um uh worthwhile you know as i remember in the past games if there were side quests it was kind of just for a trophy or something or, or mm. some additional currency uh, or a piece of armor for that matter. But, but it was always sort of mostly cosmetic and on a little bit of stat boosting. Uh, but in this, it feels like there's, there's six different pieces of gear. You're, you're, you're getting stat boost based on those. You're crafting upgrades for each one. So they take, they're taking sort of, um, they're taking, like what's the word they're they're being influenced by other ubisoft games like far cry where you would craft upgrades mm. for your gear and stuff so it's actually it was actually kind of interesting I, I haven't gotten very far but the fact that you are in egypt is more and more present the further you get into the game but it's funny <laughs> like my understanding of egypt comes from and this is going to be terrible but like the you know like i don't know a lot about egypt i took a little bit of ancient history but for folks who are like probably history majors are going to hate what i'm about to say but you know the brendan fraser egypt movies totally not <laughs> the, the mummy yeah not the not the greatest sort of pieces of 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 uh, cinematic history to kind of have an understanding of egypt i i wow. it's, a, it's mostly a joke there's a bit more there but like <laughs> there it's all that stuff about egypt is super interesting and I like that they're not focusing on the 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 funny stuff of Egypt. They they sort of they're focusing on the seriousness of Egypt in a way that's kind of interesting. But I I don't think I've gotten far enough to kind of see more of it. So far, it's a uh, I mean they just put more history in front of you in the other games. I felt like and maybe it was easier. But part of me feels like Egypt would be easy to to kind of throw some cool history at your face. But they start the game off, they don't really, 
I mean, you got the pyramids, but they or and the Sphinx, but they don't like throw that at you right away. Which would be my my, that would be my move, right? If I was developing a game about Egypt, like yeah, here's a pyramid, and here's the Sphinx, and <laughs> these are Egypt. the big tent poles of what Egypt is. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to explain? Yeah. Like in this game, they they get the desert, they get the the mountains, they get the the camels and all that fun stuff, but they don't they don't lean on sort of the what everybody knows about Egypt, those mm. icons. Like the tropes. <laughs> the tropes, yeah, the tropes is, is probably a better way. you know. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I know it'll get there eventually because the marketing heavily featured those items. Uh, the, the front of the box is a pyramid, um, mm. so we'll get there eventually. But yeah, it just it, it felt like an Assassin's Creed game set in like a, a desert, you know, country of some kind. And, and there are like egyptian sort of icons but it actually feels like it's uh, it's not really even set in a time frame that most of our egyptian sort of pop culture comes from you know it's it seems to be set later on in the egyptian culture because they don't they don't talk so highly of like pharaohs and stuff i mean you're literally killing people that are in that sort of higher uh higher um, pharaoh era i don't know like class yeah like class in that higher class so it feels like it's it's further on where they're not really revering them they're literally you're, you have a hit list it's like you need to kill these four people i don't know they're related to the pharaoh or something the, the story is a little hard to follow but uh, the, the loot system in the combat has been a lot of fun um actually that being said though i'm playing on a controller and the combat is kind of super confusing because Rather than I found using... that too. I yeah. I didn't really like the way the combat worked in Assassin's Creed Origins, and I felt like it must be significantly different than the other Assassin's Creed games because I don't ever remember being put off by the combat system before. I remember um, loving the combat system. Yeah. And what gets me in this is the combat looks great. The combat when when you hit the button after you hit the button feels great, but the buttons you're hitting are just so against human nature because rather than hitting the X button which is the dodge button, you're hitting the bumpers, all four. So one is a light attack, one's a heavy attack, one's block, and I think one is like a, a, a I don't know what the other one is, but it, the fact that you're having to hit the two bumpers to hit is just so, it's just so unorthodox to me. And I know I could probably change the, the key mappings, but then that screws everything else up. So that, I don't know, it just, it's taking a while to get used to, but when you do get the hang of it, it, f it feels pretty pretty solid, but it's just that muscle mapping sort of, you mm. know, brain. It is. I, I do remember it being different than pretty much anything else that I had played, at least at the time. Mm. And it just wasn't. I feel like I'm trying to remember what else I was playing when that first came out. I think it was Shadows of Mordor, right? Well, it would have been Odyssey been, as or well. Shadows right? of War. I'm trying to. Um, Odyssey. Oh. Well, no, sorry, Shadow of War. Yeah, in terms of like similar gameplay and mm, no, no, no. I mean, like the games that I was playing at the same time that oh. would have had different combat. Like, because that's what I feel like. I feel like I came off of like Shadow of War and then went into Origins and was like, "This is not how my fingers think I should be doing this." <laughs> yeah, Shadow of War. For all the problems people threw at that game, the combat still felt pretty solid. And and in Assassin's Creed Origins, the combat does feel sluggish. Um, the, the quest systems and the, the map systems and the dialogue that you're having with characters being all side missions and stuff, all fully voice acted. It's really well put together. The accents all sound great, 
But yeah, like the combat's a big thing, and if I don't get used to it, I remember it's early on in the game and in the map, like this I think they're guards. Guards kept walking past me, and then they they instantly came after me because like, hello, I'm the guy with the Pharaoh hit list, um, and they come right after me right away. But they're all in camels, so like I just have to kind of swing my sword at them until they die, and it just feels so half baked. I don't know. It just didn't feel fun. I thought you know Assassin's Creed was always about being this badass combat machine, and in this it feels like you're just a guy who does this with his sword and just moves it around all like Kermit arms, <laughs> you know. I just maybe don't it's feel all as part of the elegant. Um, yeah, maybe it's all part of the like because you mentioned the like level system and mm-hmm. getting more powerful and stuff. Maybe the combat starts to feel better a little bit later in the game, but I don't know. It's really hard when something doesn't grab you, especially now. We have so many options for yeah. games to play. It's like if something doesn't grab you in the first couple hours, or if something has a clunky system that's going to be great once you get to max level. It's like yeah, but. That's a long time to play with a clunky system before it gets to the point where it feels good. So maybe make it feel good from the start. (laughs) Yeah, but surprising no one, I'll I'll stick with it for a little bit just to see if it does sort of pick up a bit. Because, I mean, I still like the franchise and I am kind of intrigued by Odyssey. I like the whole Greek Roman Mm -hmm. sort of setting. And, you know, this is Sparta. I mean, it's it'll be it'll be interesting. But uh, this kind of scratches that itch. So I'm not, you know. This way, I don't fall into the same trap and like buy Odyssey like day one, right? But uh, have they actually? I mean, because obviously I didn't finish this game, but have they even like gone back to the like present day stuff with Um, like all that like corporate intrigue things that was going on and like? I think in the first four or the first four, the first three had like you in you were in the present and you were playing a character and the fourth one introduced this like you're part of the corporation right and then as the game as the game series continued they just hinted at it and then they got they straight up said like nah this is a simulation and you don't get to see who is actually playing this like it's all it's all in the animus but they've i i don't know when it comes to origins but i know in syndicate they'd pretty sure they had removed it like it was just it was just the animus but then maybe my mind is just blocking it out i clearly remember black flag stuff yeah black flag definitely like went back and forth between you being a pirate and you working in the corporate office and stuff and investigating things and there was definite back and forth there but you're right i don't really remember it in syndicate either and Yeah, and obviously Origins, I didn't get far enough to, like, even if there was present day stuff in Origins, I definitely didn't find it. <laughs> yeah, I just remember when Origins came out, like, a lot of people praising it, and I saw it on sale, and I was like, oh, you know, I'll check this out just to kind of see, you know, Assassin's Creed's this franchise I've always, you know, really, really liked. Like, I remember when the first one came out, I remember, uh, you know, uh, Matt actually brought it into uh, college and we, we took over the projector in the room uh, at lunch and we played, you know, until our professor got back. We didn't do a lot of work, but uh, <laughs> at lunch, and if my professor's, I doubt he's listening. Um, but yeah, we I really enjoy Assassin's Creed. Um, we'll see. I'll, you know, maybe in two weeks when I come back before I get back into WoW, I'll, I'll play a bit more of this and then I'll, I'll report back when, when I'm back on the show. Because I am... I want to keep. I'm gonna keep playing for Egypt. I'm gonna. I want to see how it goes. I want to. I want to climb a sphinx, and I'm probably the reason the nose fell off. So <laughs> that's my goal, anyways. There's got to be. A, that's a it's missed a opportunity. Goal. 
if there isn't an achievement for knocking the nose off, that's, you know, that's like a zero out of 10 on all levels. <laughs> I'm going to love it in two weeks from now if you come back and be like, I didn't knock the nose off. Some NPC did. Zero out of 10. Worst game ever. I, I played for it. 80 hours to get to the Sphinx. And guess what happened? Some <laughs> other dude knocked the nose off. Bastard Bill in accounting. He was in the Animus with me and he just beat me to it. What a dink. <laughs> Damn it, Bill. Damn it, Bill. So you actually picked something else up this week and wanted mm. to talk about it. So you've got Ugh. the new encyclopedia. It's a big, giant <laughs> for book. For Zelda. <laughs> it's very thick. And um, these are the Dark Horse uh, books. Yeah, I have the green one. Mm-hmm. Like the first one that they put out that was like the timeline or whatever. Yeah, the the green one, uh, Hyrule Historia, is was kind of the first one that kicked it all off. And, and that one's a really good one to own because it kind of, it talks about the history from, from e- it gives you the timeline, then it talks about the history of each game. Mm-hmm. And then the th- the second one, I, ha- I have them all behind me. You can't see them. They're tucked in the behind there. But I have Historia. And the second one was a red one. And it was all art. So it was like every single piece of art from every single piece of game, including promotional material, like a whole bunch of cool stuff. Just a Zelda design fan fan's dream of just having every piece of art in one big coffee book kind of thing. Um and that might not be for everybody. I don't even think it was for me. I, I don't just... think I. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't pick it up because yeah. I. I love the Historia. Like I read that cover to cover, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm not a huge art person, so I'm sure it's cool. But it was it's the cool. kind of thing where I was like, I'm sure I'll get it eventually, and then just never actually picked it up. Yeah, I mean, I picked it up because the funny thing is about buying books is that if you buy it in store, they're full price. If you buy it online, they're like twenty or thirty bucks off. So I got, I always order them. I pre-order them like months in advance and, and, and they're, they're much, they're not as expensive. I did the same thing with this one. It's, it's base. it's literally called the encyclopedia. And it, it reminds me, like, if you really enjoyed Hyrule Historia, it kind of reminds me of that, but on steroids in that basically everything I've read is explaining everything there is about the Zelda franchise from the first game released to the Twilight Princess HD re-release. It doesn't include anything mm. about Breath of the Wild, which is unfortunate. Um, there's actually another book coming out in September that's going to cover just Breath of the Wild. Uh, the reason that is is because this is a translation from um, a, game, a book that came out late last year uh, in Japan. So this is a translation of that. And it basically, it starts off, it gives you the timeline again, it explains, hey, you know, this might be different from Hyrule Historia, because the timeline always changes based on new information that's been revealed and the way it's interpreted by the developers. (laughs) Oh, okay, by the developer. I thought they were talking about, like, in-game in the Zelda universe, like, oh, our historians are constantly finding new information and changing what we knew about stuff. Well, I mean, stuff gets retconned and stuff, so that's not not far off, but it's, it's really interesting in that it kind of in Hyrule Historia, like we're, we're dwelling on like one page of a, of a 500 page book, but it's really interesting because they start off with the timeline and they explain it a lot more. Whereas the timeline in Hyrule Historia is kind of like this happened, this happened, branch, this happened, this mm-hmm. happened, this happened. In this, they kind of, they fill in the gaps a little bit. They explain what game it's from and they just, and then on the next page, they literally describe everything that happened and, in more detail. And, and there's stuff in there that 
if you hadn't played through the games or been present during like the promotional period of that game, you would have missed the fact like there's this really interesting tidbit about I think it's Zelda one or Zelda two where the the brother of Zelda was jealous that Zelda had the the Triforce of Wisdom. So he tried to trick her or he berated her into trying into revealing the secret of where the Triforce of Wisdom was. And then an ancient wizard uh, cursed Zelda to fall asleep forever to protect the Triforce because the brother was being such a dick. Um, the image <laughs> literally is his brother. Or maybe I can pull this up. You probably won't see it for the for the people on Twitch. But that's literally his brother, her brother, whipping Zelda and a, and a giant wizard in behind him. It's really disturbing. Um, but it turns out in those two games, Zelda was asleep the whole time. And that, that whole, those two games are about Link like trying to recover the Triforce. I didn't know that. So it was really interesting. And the game and the book just keeps going like that. It, it explains. Every I don't think detail. I even knew that Zelda had a brother. I didn't know that either. And it turns out the brother, this is like some serious like subreddit deep diving here, but it's all in this book. So it's canon. It's real. Yeah, you know, it's this canon is now. <laughs> um, so the brother feels bad for what he did. So he proclaims. That from here on out, all princesses born in the kingdom of Hyrule will be named Zelda. And that's the reason they're all called Zelda. Interesting. Yeah, I did not know that. His bro- her brother's a dick, so but I guess... So they're actually... They're Zeldas. They're many, 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 many different Zeldas? They're, they're yes. not... Okay. So, the, so Zelda many... is not one person. Zelda mm. is many people. Well... <laughs> Okay, sort of. The other thing you learn, and a lot of people might have already, I'll actually, I already knew all this, Like, but they put it in a book and they made it really fancy for me to read, so I like it. So um, Zelda is a different person named Zelda, but the, the goddess of Hylia is reincarnated into Zelda. So, But Zelda doesn't know that until she, like, uh, something with the Triforce. Anyways, yes and no and maybe so. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. You get, I guess you got to read the book and, and interpret the, this weirdness. But uh, so it is it's an encyclopedia, right? So mm-hmm. is it like alphabetical entries or does it read more like a book or is it um, organized like by game kind of chronologically? Like, how do they present it to us? It's it's sort of so the first like the first bit is all historical records. So it starts with the stuff you're interested in. It gives you a timeline of everything. So there's the timeline, the Kingdom of Hyrule timeline, there's the Triforce timeline, there's a, literally a timeline of all the Zeldas and there's arrows and flowcharts. It's like a Zelda fan's dream here. <laughs> and then they go into Link, Ganon, and then there's a bunch of timelines for that. And then, and then it gets into more mundane stuff, like the history of uh, the Oka, the weird thing from uh, Twilight Princess, the weird chicken man. It's gross. I'm going to rip that page out, actually. Um, <laughs> and then there's, like, fishing and animals and life and culture. And then it gets into, like, the database, which is just everything and anything. And that goes on for, like, 600 pages. And then you. <laughs> so when you say so, the database that's more like you're thinking traditional encyclopedia, like A yeah. is for apples that grow in Hyrule. <laughs> yeah, and that's all alphabetical. So I'm on the S's. Yeah. So here's a stallmaster, but also a stinger, and a stone thing, a lot of stone things actually. <laughs> Thief, and then it gets into the archives, which, um, I don't know what this is. Character relationships bunch of bunch of concept art so there's a lot of concept art in here and promotional stuff and 
and yeah so there's three sections and it's like it's just literally a lot of information all about Zelda. It, it is an encyclopedia, but it's not as it's not as boring as just an alphabetical listing of everything in the Zelda franchise. They organize it in a way that is interesting because it's a it's a it's a Dark Horse. It's a comic book, basically. Cool. It's done by Dark Horse, and it's the third in the Goddess Collection. I think they call it. They gave it a name because they decided to do more than one book. Neat. Um, I really like it. So if you like Hyrule Historia, if you really dug that, this is the basically the second part that expands on that and focuses more on the individual pieces that make up The Legend of Zelda. And unfortunately, no Breath of the Wild, like I said, in this book, but there is a a book coming out in September that's part of the collection, strictly focused on Breath of the Wild. I think it's called Constructing a Champion Breath of the Wild book. Give us $30. I don't know. <laughs> I or, I already ordered it though. It's it, it looks uh, really cool. Creating a champion? Yes, that's it. It's yeah. like a white cover. Yeah, it's a white cover, which is like. But I guess if you go green, red, blue, like what what's the next color? I guess. But uh, yeah, it's white. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I'm just I, looking it up now because I like I didn't know there was, a, and I'm not a huge Breath of the Wild fan, anyways. But uh, that's the thing, though. Like there are Zelda games that I'm not as big a fan of as other Zelda games. So, for example, Skyward Sword. If you really didn't like Skyward Sword and you never finished it and you don't want to read Wikipedia, you could get this book and pretty much learn all of, if not more, about Skyward Sword than somebody who may have played it, like myself. Mm. So I'm, I've am i already learned some cool stuff about that game that, that kind of I, I got glossed over in, in that game. So it's it's really cool. And honestly, Skyward Sword, it plays a big part of, of the Zelda timeline i guess it is literally the first piece of the puzzle so yeah i i highly recommend it if if you're a fan of zelda this is well worth picking up very cool and you said how much did you get it for or i guess it's on amazon it's like 30 bucks canadian yeah, it's right? like 30 so. bucks canadian so i imagine on amazon.com you could probably get it at the discounted price but it retails for 40 dollars us 54 dollars canadian Wow, so that Amazon link is seriously like 25 bucks off. That's great. Yeah, I, I recommend it for sure. Uh, so the next thing that we're going to talk about this week is the we got our new Warcraft short, Warbringers, about Sylvanas. This one was actually not released on Monday. This one was released on Tuesday because it was the culmination of the Darkshore questing that we did as Horde players and Alliance players, for that matter. Um, so yeah, Warbringers came out this week. I'm not going to talk about this too much because, as you guys know, I have a Warcraft podcast. We are recording tomorrow, so... I don't want to uh, give too, too many thoughts, mm-hmm. but um, I'm interested because Ryan both wrote in the notes and also texted me after he played through and, and was tweeted. like, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, very thorough. Yikes. <laughs> in my so opinion. I'm, yeah, I'm interested to know like what your opinion is because you have played both factions, right? Like not, I yeah. mean, not this Warbringer stuff, or, like not the uh, Dark Shore stuff, but mm-hmm. in the past you've you've played both sides. I mean, like, spoiler alert, but Ryabish, the night elf rogue, has probably been burned to death. Because he was only, like, level 60, so he was definitely an innocent inside that tree, you know? Because he, he was, he <laughs> had retired. He's AFK for 10 years. <laughs> he had hung up his dual daggers with with poison drip on them, and he was just carving, I don't know, what what do night elves do in, in the tree when they're bored? 
Carvin sleep? sleep. I'm pretty sure they all sleep. They just sleep. <laughs> so they died Marianne in their sleep. See, to, yeah. Sylvanas is a is a benevolent benevolent god. She, they, they, she waited till they fell asleep to burn them alive. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm. I've talked a bit about this on the on the Patreon mini just to kind of like get some thoughts out there, and I figured we'd try to talk about it on the show. It's a big deal in my mind, having looked at the base lore of every World of Warcraft expansion, and then and that being like the first three months of the the expansion story, and and I know that there is story that gets sprinkled in after each expansion through the patches at least one to two to three times each expansion but you know having come from the original warcraft games as well like i have a pretty good understanding of what makes up the story and the characters and all that fun stuff uh and it's really tough to show sylvanas in in a four minute animation Uh, and they did that quite well right up until i don't know like and i kind of feel like oh maybe i don't have enough to talk about this because i i haven't experienced all there is about world of warcraft but then i remember like wait I've been... i'll fill in the gaps <laughs> yeah you can fill in the gaps and there's been some really great stuff since that youtube video uh, kind of explaining a bit more about it uh and a bit more of in-game context for for, for savannah's i mean i stand by that there's really nothing you can do to kind of explain this away you know like basically burning down what is essentially the god tree i guess (laughs) like it's kind of a big deal um although do we know for sure like i guess this is a good question before we we talk about it do we know for sure that it's like gone it's dead it's been burned down there's no such thing as the world tree anymore it's lost its power or is it like the deku tree Um, like it just kind of sprouts back up it can grow back um i don't know so it's definitely burnt Mm -hmm. uh darnassus was destroyed Mm -hmm. and you can no longer go to it in game so i don't know what that means like if it could ever grow back i guess the one in mount hyjal technically was destroyed and grew back so they can grow back but I don't know if that's what they plan to do or not. I can... don't think the one in Hyjal... Mm. can't remember now if it burned or not. I think it got... Didn't it... It got some big demon thing, tried to push it over, then a bunch of wisps came in. Yeah, Archimond. Yeah, that guy. And then all the wisps <laughs> came in and killed him. Yes, yeah. yes. I remember that. He got killed by a bunch of wisps. He was not very strong, actually, in the end. <laughs> or maybe we weakened him and then the wisps came over and just went when he blew over i don't remember really <laughs> uh world of warcraft is weird um so no anyways with with this sylvana short i'm like struggling to find the words because i don't want to be like i don't want to be the internet guy i think a, a lot of the way a lot of the people are reacting to this are way off base you know they're like they're really freaking out um it's first of all it's not good like sylvana's doing something like this it's not good for sylvana's uh she's toast basically like this has got to be there's no way she walks away from this i can see them invading darnassus and being like hey we did it we struck first because we're trying to gain peace and like you know we we're going to do it through war the only way the horde knows to gain peace uh but like burning down the tree is i think kind of a step too far for her and kind of like it sucks for the horde because now the horde are like are bundled in with this this mad woman who's turned who burned down this world tree um and then also feel bad for the forsaken because if they were trying to kind of coexist kind of tough when your leader burns down 
literally the world tree, like the life tree, you know? And that's just so my did kind you, of thoughts. Did you read the novel Before the Storm? I didn't read the novel. Um, it's been a while since I've read sort of the extended Don't bother. Stuff. It's okay, don't really bother. bad. So, oh, perfect. <laughs> I thought you were going to give me a tidbit of information that would just help me with, with all that other stuff. So not great, eh? Um, well, so for me, mm-hmm. um, again, I'm not going to go uh, too crazy into all of this because we're going to do that tomorrow on For Azeroth. But, for sure. um they're basically pushing Sylvanas down this path of basically like becoming a new Arthas and being a force of death, which I think is an inter- like when I say death, I mean like death with a capital D, like the universe power that opposes life. Mm. So they kind of started that sort of hinting at that or the that feeling of her like just hating all things living they really started to push that in the novel and i didn't really like it when they did it in the novel and now they're kind of furthering that and there are some like story beats that i'm like because okay when i first played through all this and when i first watched the cinematic i was just like this is really, really bad, like really dumb. I don't like it. This is stupid. Mm. I've kind of like stepped back. It's been a few days. I've kind of stepped back. And You've been very quiet <laughs> on Twitter. It's like she didn't even yeah. respond to my text. I'm just like, whoa, she's serious. I like, I, I took a few days. I haven't played Warcraft. I've oh, just wow. dove back into Hearthstone. I literally, I played through it on my main character. I didn't even run my alts through to get them the extra world quests and the gear. I was like, nope. I'm not even playing for game mechanic reasons right now. (laughs) I am just taking a step away because I feel like a lot of my social media and a lot of like just everything has just been saturated with all of these conversations. And I'm Mm -hmm. just like, I don't, I can't anymore. Um, Well, it's good that you're going to have that conversation on three podcasts this week. Exactly. That's real healthy. (laughs) Thanks, Ryan. Like, (laughs) I feel like um, there's, there's a couple of issues here. Mm -hmm. My, there's the one issue that a lot of people have put forward, which is basically like, okay, yes, she's my war chief, but I never would have like my, my character never would have gone along with burning the tree for the sake of burning the tree. I don't want, like I play horde because I am an honor fueled character. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this isn't honorable. There's a lot of people who joined the horde as like thralls horde. Because a lot of people, a lot of alliance specific players have said like, "Oh, well, the horde is evil, duh." And I'm like, "Well, no, they're not. That's the whole idea of World of Warcraft is there are two factions with good and bad in each, and so the horde isn't the evil faction. But the problem is going into Battle for Azeroth, it feels like we're the bad guys. It feels like we're the evil faction, and it because of that reason and because." on the surface it seems like alliance good horde bad to like outsiders it feels like blizzard took the lazy route if they wanted to start a war obviously it would be the horde that would start the war because they're the bad guys and that's just so superficial and i don't like that story the other part that i don't like is what they did with sylvanas she's supposed to be a brilliant general and some random dying night elf that was made up for the pre-patch that is no large lore character in any way, shape, or form says, 
I grieve for you and Sylvanas loses her shit for no reason and blows up the tree without even trying to take it for the strategic reason. Like she had a plan. She's supposed to be a general. She Mm. has hundreds of years of combat experience and someone makes her feel bad. So she burns it all down. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, she brought the catapults though. Like, well, yeah, because she was going to siege a city. Right. That's a good point. Like, that makes total sense, because I've seen that argument, too. Like, oh, well, she already had the catapults. I'm like, yeah, but they were going to go attack a city. You need catapults to attack a city. You kind of (laughs) bring the catapults to the the siege party. Um, Yeah. So, okay, that's an interesting point. So we're we're basically, it's unable, we're unable to explain a way that, which I thought, while I was watching the animation, I think it did everything that Blizzard designed it to do in that, you got the attack on Darnassus. You felt like the horde were the bad guys. Like, let's not like. I don't think. I don't think Blizzard. Like, we may disagree with their with their statements, but they did. They they did what they sought to do. Like, they didn't do this by accident. They wanted <laughs> Sylvanas to be the bad guy. And when you look at the, oh yeah, you look at 100%. the faces of even the undead general behind Sylvanas when Sylvanas says Thanos. burn it down. Yeah, Thanos. Um, <laughs> not Thanos. Oh, Nathanos. <laughs> oh, Nathanos. Nathaniel's. Um, Thanos is from Infinity War. I different know that. guy. Different guy. <laughs> so Nathaniel behind Sylvanas. <laughs> what was his name again? <laughs> Nathanos. Now I'm confused. Oh. Is it? So it's Nathanos. His name is Nathanos. I'll write it in the notes for you so it's... you can see. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Nathanos. Wow, that's literally just not in front of Thanos. That's yeah. Okay. Anyways, so Nathan, <laughs> can't stop now. Uh, Nathanos behind Sylvanas and Saufrong or something, right? Sarfang. Sarfang. <laughs> wow, we're having a good time here. Um, they look really shocked that she's saying burn it down. You know, like they, and that probably goes with your with your point that she had a plan, right? To take it over, hold it hostage. I've seen the argument of like holding it hostage for like, you know, keeping. Well, that was, yeah, that was the original plan. So Mm -hmm. when you go through and play in game, you can actually ask Sylvanas why we're doing this. Because that was a big question is like, we just came out of Legion. We were allied with the Alliance. We took down the biggest threat to the universe that we know of right now, Mm -hmm. which is the Burning Legion and Sargeras and his campaign. And so we're just coming off of that. And then all of a sudden the Horde and Alliance are going to war. And so they put a like quest in game, or I guess not a quest, but like a dialogue in game. So you can actually go to Sylvanas Undercity and there's a, a dialogue option where you can say like, why is this happening? And this is the other thing about this expansion is for the first time, like they've had books in between expansions before, but this is the first time we have books. We have a comic We have novellas that are only sold with the physical collector's edition that all tell the story of what's going on in between. And so it's very disjointed. And some of them even relay the same events, but in more or less detail than the other pieces of information. And some of them seem to like contradict themselves even. So it's a really, really odd disjointed 
kind of transition from Legion into Battle for Azeroth. And it's kind of hard to like understand what's going on and what they're going for because mm -hmm. there's all these different media. And some of them, like they, they're beautiful. Like that Jaina we talked about last week, that Jaina short was beautiful. The Sylvana short, beautiful. Mm -hmm. I hate the content of the Sylvana short, but like I had tears in my eyes when I when she was fighting for Kelphalos and and Silvermoon, like the scene where she goes and dies to Arthas, like I was like crying. It was so well done. Yeah, but I thought it then, was all like, really good right up until yeah. the end when she burned the tree down. Like I, I even liked. So basically, it was all great the first three and a half minutes, right right up until like the night elf says like I grieve for you. I was like, oh that's that's perfect, you know, because she's saying like you're you're evil like you're just you're a bad person you're evil i grieve for you because you used to be a cool night elf or an elf or whatever and then she's and then she freaks out like if she just hadn't freaked out and kind of stormed away or or whatever i just don't i think her reacting and burning the tree down i think as someone who's not because sylvanas was always this character she was always this undead forsaken leader that was kind of kept at arm's length by the horde in mm -hmm. that they 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 knew they had to have the forsaken on their side because they needed numbers but it they was didn't... like an uneasy alliance yeah and and she was wasn't she always kind of like you know poking around as not not evil but sort of the, the yeah, unspoken cousin kind of thing like she's never been a good guy yeah and i'm totally on board with that but i think my problem with this story direction is that they're it's the fact that there was no strategic, there was no strategy here. Like I got on board with her original plan. There's actually in part of the novellas that's been released to influencers. Um, there's <laughs> sections that actually have her explain all of the rivalries between not just the Forsaken and members of the Alliance, but literally every part of the Horde mm -hmm. and like the animosities that they have to different groups in the Alliance and why she thinks that even if we have peace for 50 years, it's never going to last mm -hmm. because there's too much animosity, like too many bad things have happened between the Horde and Alliance members that a peace is never going to last. Yeah. So we should strike now. Yeah, she wants and, to command peace and, instead of try to build yeah. it. And she wants to make sure that the Horde controls this new powerful um, substance, which is Azerite. The so yeah. they, need to act, they need to act now. And I was like, okay, I guess. Like, kind of sucks, but I can see your logic at least. Like, okay, let's go. And then her strategy is to basically cut off the potential supply line. So even if the alliance does happen to get Azerite, they won't be able to ship it over to the Eastern Kingdoms. They are going to be like the the only way to get it from Kalimdor to the Eastern Kingdoms through the alliance's current supply lines is through Darnassus. So if we hold that supply line, they won't be able to get Azerite. Great idea, Sylvanas. I'm on board. Let's do this. And then she throws that whole entire strategy out for what seems like no reason. I and mean, that's my problem is like, okay, you want me to burn the tree? You want like at least go over to Darnassus and attempt to take the city. And then we can't take the city. So we burn down the tree. But there was like, it was just literally even the Warcraft Twitter account tweeted out and was like, a chance encounter will change the face of Azeroth forever. I'm like, really? We're leaning into this? Oh, okay. I've seen and some then, weird so... things of Blizzard devs leaning into into this moment. It's It's been honestly been kind of weird 
in in that they almost know they they knew they had to have known this was going to be like this was not going to be well received. They must. Well, have and known I think that. this was this was even less well received by a lot of very very hardcore fans because of a lot of the information that they gave us after Battle for Azeroth was announced. So we were given the still that's actually behind me right now of. Teldrassil burning and with Sylvanas on the beach looking at it but they kept hinting through Q&As and through like tweets from devs and all kinds of stuff that like there's more to the story like you know you think that it's just the horde burning down the tree on Sylvanas's orders but just wait and see just wait and see wait till you play through everything and there's a lot of stuff in beta that was obscured so we didn't actually get so it very much a lot of the expectations from people who were paying very close attention was that there was going to be some reason outside of just Sylvanas is evil and burns the tree. <laughs> so then when it came out and it was Sylvanas is evil and burns the tree, a lot of people felt, I think, betrayed and lied to by the Warcraft team. And that just feels bad. <laughs> and, and I don't think there's <laughs> and a it's, way... And it's really weird because it wasn't even like, like there was nothing to obscure. Like no, this just is burn just burns the tree. Yeah. Burn, like burn the tree down. There's, she there's she even takes there, the time so. to like, I, I thought it like it really like, again, if I, I still stand by it, like blizzard did what they, 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 they wanted to achieve this. Probably they, they wanted to show Sylvanas is super duper evil. And, and it, it's, it's really cemented by the fact that she, she says to the night, she whispers in her ear and says like, well, whatever she says, it's, it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty heartbreaking. Then turns the poor night elf's face to watch as she burns the tree down, and like she's literally like stamping out hope for the alliance. But really, that's kind of been the thing about the alliance is that they've always had these these different um, these. Well, they're made up of a bunch of a bunch of different races, and you know, like I, I think people joke around that the gnomes have never had their their home, right? But when you when you stamp out this one symbol for the night elves, like I, it kind of empowers the rest of the races to want to want to take that stuff back and and well and and this is kind of the other thing too, right? Is mm -hmm. that like there's been the argument that maybe she thought that that would splinter, but but then see, I think this works whether she burns the tree or not. Like if she mm -hmm. just occupied Darnassus, then you know like the alliance would be like, oh, we have to go retake Darnassus, and it would have the same effect. As because what she wanted to do is basically like uh, Sylvanas and the Forsaken took over Gilneas way back in Cataclysm, right? So her idea was like, oh well, if we take Darnassus as well, then the Worgen are going to be pissed if we if the Alliance goes and helps the Night Elves before going back and taking Gilneas, and they're going to mm. get you know splintered and infighty and all this kind of stuff. But it's when like that, that would have, huh? When did that Gil happen? Gilneas stuff. Yeah. That was. Um, was that like level Post twenty Lich Worgen? King, that was the yeah, that was the Worgen starting area basically, and they changed the quests in Silver Pine Forest to be the Forsaken advance on Gilneas. So you can actually play through it. It's a very it's a very cool zone. Hmm. Um but yeah, so that that was all added in uh Cataclysm. So it's uh that like that's kind of the strategic idea. But hmm. That would have worked, I think, better <laughs> had we just occupied Darnassus because right now there's nothing to go back to. There's nothing to save. Like it burned to the ground, it's destroyed. So, like, <laughs> why why would you want to take back Darnassus now? There's nothing there to take back. Right. It so, would have been a better strategy to occupy it and then be like, okay, now we have a strategic choice. Do we take Gilneas back? Do we take 
uh, Darnass is back. Like, what do we do? But even then, the Worgen were taken in by the Night Elves. So, again, Greymane is totally on board with helping the Night Elves first. So, again, like, it just, I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, there are larger universe theories that I'm kind of on board with. But, uh, like, my, my biggest problem is just the way that they made Sylvanas do it and the fact that they don't even seem to mesh between, like, the marketing and the Twitter and the, like, saying that it was a chance encounter that made Sylvanas do it, but then some of the, again, out-of-game material points to the fact that, like, maybe this is something that she was going to do anyways and, like, this was her plan all along, and it's like, well... Was it a chance encounter and a crazy emotional response? Which, again, doesn't make sense for the undead. The undead are not emotional. That's part of what makes them them. Hmm. So it's like, okay, was it that or was it a pre-planned thing? And it kind of makes a difference. So anyways, again, I don't. I, we've already spent way more time on this yeah. than I wanted to. Um, I'm going to talk about a lot of different things, a lot of different theories, including where we go from here uh, mm -hmm. on for Azeroth tomorrow. So if you guys uh, aren't following the Warcraft show and you want more of uh, our takes on the Warbringers series, then uh, go and check that out. Um, yeah. We have a patron ad this week from Simon, who says Weekly News Desk's podcast all about the geek news this week. You can join your two Knucklehead hosts, Andrew and Simon, as they keep you informed on movies, TV, video games, and books. You can find them on iTunes or at weeklynews.com. Brings us to our topic of the week this week, which is a very quick little news piece about how Gloomhaven is getting a video game. So if you guys have been following the Gamers In, you know that a few weeks ago I talked about Gloomhaven and how it's been taking up a lot of my gaming time. They are now going to adapt this amazing board game into a video game. So I'm pretty excited about this because the character that I play, which is a Cragheart, was actually featured in the trailer. So hmm. I was I was very, very happy and excited about that when I saw the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Gloomhaven because... is my happy place right now. Like Warcraft is my super sad place. Gloomhaven <laughs> is my happy place. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited when I saw this. It's like, now I'll actually be able to play the game because I won't need to play with other people. It looks like a dungeon crawler a little bit based on the trailer. Um, there's no details, although that it will be out in early access Q1 2019. And mm -hmm. it's being developed by uh, the guys behind the Fable Fortune card game, uh, Flaming Fowl. So, which is which yeah. is interesting because obviously this is not going to be a card game. Uh, no. They did mention a roguelike mode, but that didn't seem to be like because they called it a mode. I feel like there's going to be a couple of different ways potentially to play this. Um, although Gloomhaven is roguelike-ish because basically when you're playing through, you get characters who have goals, and when they hit their goals, they retire, and you start new characters, and you're but you're constantly playing through as the same like party. So for instance, in, in our game, <laughs> apparently the goal that I chose for my character was like super hard. I haven't even attempted to start to complete it. And in the meantime, so my character now is level seven, I believe out of nine. Hmm. And Matt in the meantime has retired two characters and is on his third character, <laughs> oh, wow. but we're still adventuring together. We're still part of, the same party but this is what makes gloomhaven really cool is that because you're constantly like retiring and starting new characters we were able to like add characters in like we played when we were at the cottage with my mom she made a character and came and played with us and then now she's not around anymore but that doesn't influence our gameplay at all so it's a really cool like jump in jump out and um 
constantly retire and start new characters within the same campaign. So that kind of fits the roguelike idea. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm interested to see what they do with with Gloomhaven. But I hope that it's like. I hope they carry like the story and the feel of the world through into the video game and it doesn't feel too much like because we're still even though it's kind of like roguelike ish, we're still traveling from like one dungeon to another dungeon, but some of them are connected together. It's all very thematic and there there is some lore and story there, too. So I don't necessarily just want it to be like a room to room dungeon sort of thing mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like I, I want them to keep the storytelling in there too yeah it, it seems like a quick turnaround as well in terms of the mm-hmm. card game or the board game kind of just kind of just getting off the grounds right or yeah well the board game was uh i think came out or came out in 2017 or their kickstarter was in 2017 i think the first printing of the game was in 2017 so you're right it's been uh, hasn't been out for a very long time and uh yeah but it's it's such a great game i'm really glad that it's um getting a video game adaptation i just i want more gloomhaven yeah, I, <laughs> I don't really care what way shape or form i get it i just want more of this game because it's super super fun so i hope they're able to kind of grab what gloomhaven is and smoosh it into a video game without losing too much of the experience which like you said like you're glad you're going to be able to play it alone I kind of like having to to play it with other people. Oh, no, I I think playing with other people would be fantastic. I'm just saying that now now I'll have an option. And I mean, the board game is always going to present like a, you know, a different, a different method of playing that that offers different opportunities. So if I were able to get this as a video game, but still have the opportunity to play the board game, I would probably opt to do both. I wouldn't I wouldn't exclusively play one over the other. But um it'd be neat to kind of be able to explore both, you know, avenues. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, like you said, it's going to be an early access that's going to start in uh, Q1 2019. So we've got, you know, kind of six ish months until we're going to be able to get into this early access. And I know I've said in the past, I'm not a fan of early access games and I don't really, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really not a fan, but I think this is one that I'm going to pick up early access because I want to get in there as soon as possible. I want to give feedback as someone who spends a lot of time playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited about this and I will definitely, I'm sure Matt will too, will be picking this up on uh, early access. So if there is any kind of multiplayer component to it, it would be Ooh. really cool to, uh, to get you in there with us. And especially if like, if there's some way to like, import your character from the game like from the board game into the video game like that would be something i would love to see so then i can be like oh yeah i'm a level seven and these are the spells that i have and blah 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 blah. that would be really yeah cool. maybe but there's like a character importer where you can just kind of set that stuff up yourself that'd be really neat yep mm-hmm. uh but yeah so uh that's coming out in again 2019 you guys should all go and check it out and if you haven't already checked out gloomhaven the game i do believe it's been up on amazon again a couple times since Sweet. we recorded um there there does seem to be a very very limited number of these games i think they just went through their third printing but um if you can get your hands on them just keep your eye on amazon because they're coming up and down all the time just don't pay a crazy amount of money for it it's expensive enough already you don't need to be like paying scalpers 300 dollars to get your hands on this but um if you can find it at normal retail price go and pick it up it's a lot of fun and like i said you can have people jumping in and out of your campaign all the time so you can play it with anywhere from 
two to four people, I believe. So yeah, go and check it out. Cool. That's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays. Ryan is Dar Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are available after the fact over on Twitch. If you'd like to email the show, and let us know what you think about Warbringers. <laughs> Please do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. <laughs>